Who are we? Are you sure you want to know? We're your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts, Sean and Peter, and welcome to So Much to Tell, a Raimi Spider-Man podcast. In this episode, we are going to push your buttons. <laughs> That's right, we're diving into the wonderful series of video games that were a tie-in with and an accompaniment to our beloved trilogy. Mm-hmm. I know for many of you, like me, this was the primary way you connected with the movies once you left the theater. And oh man, we cannot wait to talk about the fabulous virtual world we enjoyed with our hero in all of its 3D multi-generational console glory. <laughs> There's so much to tell this time around. The bosses, the hard levels, the plot twists, the bonus features, and... Whew, oh yeah, the pizza delivery quests. Peter, I can't <laughs> wait. Well, let's finish the theme song and press start. Each of the three Raimi movies had a video game tie-in that was more or less based on the movie, but they each had some of their own unique elements in terms of the plot, in terms of the gameplay, in terms of the bonus features, in terms of uh, the differences between the console versions. And that's what we're talking about here today. We're going to be focusing on the versions that they had for the for the video game consoles that you put into your TV. So the, the home consoles. Yeah, home. Exactly. I couldn't think of the word. Thank you, Peter. Um, so the GameCube, the PlayStation 2, and uh, later on, you know, we get into the the more, let's say, controversial generation of consoles around 2006 and 2007. So the Nintendo Wii, the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, you know, that generation. So we'll be talking about the three movie games that came out for those consoles. So that, so sorry, anybody here who played the PC versions, sorry, uh, your boy does not have that covered. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, similarly, I know the... Uh... The Game Boy games, I think, deserve a whole episode unto themselves, too, Absolutely. to um, properly unpack. But alas, this is not that episode. <laughs> nope, I'm sorry. This is uh, this is definitely just going to be very focused on the games that Peter and myself both played on the home consoles when we were younger, and uh, some one of them a bit more recently. So, Well, okay, you invoked my name there, uh, and I have, to, I have to say right off the bat, this one is definitely more your turf. You know, you're, you're definitely taking the lead on this one. I, I didn't play really any of the console games, only the second one, and not too much at that. So yeah, but, my knowledge still, is but purely academic. It still counts. Here. You still have... Ac- it's not practical no, at all. you do have some. That's okay. That's okay. Um, this- all right. Well, well, your knowledge is far more practical, so I'm looking for you to take the lead on this one. I haven't spent as much time in the field as you have. Oh, well, I'm, I, I'd be happy to do that. I'm probably too happy, honestly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just for some background here, I think, Peter, you're, you know, you're well familiar with this. I'm sure a lot of you are uh, listening as well. Uh, there is definitely a wider universe of Spider-Man video games that have come out for the various you know consoles over the years, and I would say particular notice goes to the 2000 game, which came out you know in the year 2000 for you know Sega Dreamcast, the PlayStation One, and my personal favorite, the N64. It was a really fun game, a lot of cool levels, a lot of interesting boss battles, and I think the the game for the first movie in a lot of ways follows that template, and it really kind of uses that exact same formula. So I think. Having that game is kind of like the the prelude or the background of the Raimi movie games, I think is really, it makes a lot of sense. At least it does to me. Yeah. Because that was my first Spider-Man experience. I think even though like, yeah, like it's a different Spider-Man, it's not Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, but it's still a very similar experience. And I think the Raimi video games really, pay, they pay a lot of uh, tribute and a lot of homage to the 2000 version, which uh, in and of itself, I think is a fabulous video game that holds up well to this day. And I know that was my first major experience with a Spider-Man video game, and it really, 
it really whet my appetite. It really got me excited for playing the movie games as they came out um, over the years. Well, not only was it your personal beginning with the Spider-Man video games, but really that was the beginning of a new era of Spider-Man video games when Activision became the publisher Absolutely. for Spider-Man, Absolutely. as it would be up until 2014. Absolutely. I mean, uh, definitely, like, I remember each of these games as a kid when, you know, you put them into the console, you turn the power button on, and you see those loading screens, and sure enough, that big Activision logo was there every time <laughs> for Spider-Man 2000 and, and the, all three of the movie games that I played. Well, I don't know if you want to bring this up later, but maybe it's worth mentioning because of the similarities. Sure. I know you told me anecdote about um, the Kellogg's game. Yeah, yeah. I, um, yes, yeah, so I, as I understand it, I didn't have this version myself, but I think there is an interesting tie-in more directly between the 2000 game and the first movie. Kellogg's used to put out these little discs. You could put them in your computer to play, you know, like a level or two of a video game, you know, to try to get you to buy the whole thing. And I remember they did that with Spider-Man. And it was interesting because it was billed as a preview of the Spider-Man 1 movie game. But really what it was, it was the 2000 game just with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man costume. So it was a little bit of a Interesting hybrid. So the gameplay was the 2000 game, but the costume was the Maguire Raimi costume. So, well, and as I understand it, the gameplay isn't too far off from um, Spider-Man 2000 to Spider-Man uh, the movie, the game. It, yeah, ex um, exactly. The software like... company that developed Spider-Man 2000 was NeverSoft, mm -hmm. but the company that ported it over to the Dreamcast would be Treyarch, mm -hmm. and they would be the ones that would then take over for. The Spider-Man Sam Raimi movie. That's correct. Yeah. And my understanding is that they actually did pretty much build off of the Spider-Man 2000 design for Spider-Man 1. Yeah, it's that's what I mean. Like the gameplay itself is very similar. The game is organized in a very similar way. The pickups, the power-ups are organized. And I can definitely link it back a little bit more to the 2000 version, which, as I said, I think was a great foundation, a great starting point, a great building block for the Raimi you know, at least the first game especially, which is, the, I'd say, the most directly based on that earlier model. So, yeah, so Spider-Man 2002, that was the first game of the trilogy. And the consoles it came out for were the Nintendo GameCube, the PlayStation 2, and the Xbox. And I myself, I had it on the GameCube, so I played it for many, many years on the Nintendo GameCube. And as far as I know, the versions between the consoles are relatively similar. The only major difference is that the Xbox version has a couple of extra levels and an additional boss that the other two games do not. So I don't know if you played the Xbox uh, version, any of you out there. I did not play that version, so I've never had a chance to play the extra levels or beat that extra boss. But other than that, though, the gameplay is identical, the levels are identical, and there aren't really any major uh, differences or distinctions between them besides the additional levels. So so who was that boss, Sean? Well, Peter, I can't quite tell you that yet. It may or may not come up as a trivia question later. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Don't worry, you will find out. So or we'll circle back around to that. We boss will circle. Huh? We absolutely will circle okay. back to that. That is uh, definitely not the last <laughs> we have to say on the matter. Um, so yeah, the gameplay of Spider-Man One for you know the 2002 movie, it's definitely very much uh, in the mold of the 2000 game in that it's a sequential level by level beat 'em up game. You move through the level, you beat up the bad guys, you c you collect extras like health or webbing, or in Spider-Man 2002. Uh, you have like little upgrades to your powers. You can collect icons uh, that give you additional combo moves for when you're in combat that give you extra webbing attacks or they enhance your webbing attacks. So they basically the more upgrades you can collect, the better off you are, the, the stronger you are, the better able you are to beat up the bad guys with uh, you know, a decreasing risk to yourself. Mm. And so it's a level by level game. 
and the levels roughly follow the plot of the movie. So they more or less track to what you see on on the movie, but they do add in a few additional plot elements and a few additional bosses that uh, you know that you obviously don't see in the movie, which is I think a great thing because it you know, exposes you to more of that wider Spider-Man universe, and it also it makes the game longer. It makes it more fun. It gives you more reasons to want to stick around and play it. You don't feel like you're getting cheated or you're not just getting something that was haphazardly thrown together. You're getting something that is pretty well thought out, has an interesting story, and is a lot of fun to uh, you know, discover it as you move through it. Hmm. And Peter, I know you'll appreciate this. Uh, as all three of these games have this, uh, they have the some form or another. They have a tutorial with Bruce Campbell, so he teaches oh, you. Yes, <laughs> he t- you know he shows shows you the ropes. Yeah, he, I think uh, we all appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, tells you how to you know do your attacks. He tells you kind of how to web swing. He tells you how to move around, how to stick to walls, all of the basic uh, things that you need to know how to move through the game. So he. Uh, all three of the games feature that, and the first game is no exception. Yeah, he, he has the attitude that you would expect, very snarky, but also informative. So you learn <laughs> a lot, and those tutorials are always a pleasure. That's all I can say. I um, really can't emphasize how much better every game would be with Bruce Campbell in the mix. Absolutely. I mean, he really... I think his time to shine, I would say, is, is the second game. So I'll definitely circle back to that. I, I think in the first game, he's great, but the second game, I think, is really where he gets... Uh, he stands out a lot more. Hmm. So I think I, I'll definitely circle back to that. But um, so they kind of break up the game into stages and each stage has like at the time it would have been pretty novel. It has like a little CGI cutscene, and it roughly tracks the movie. So the first CGI cutscene is Uncle Ben getting shot, Peter at the wrestling arena, and it kind of puts you on into the setting for the first level, which is you're swinging around uh, Manhattan. You're swinging along the rooftops there and you're beating up gang members because they're all part of the same gang as Uncle Ben's killer. Hmm. And the gang is called the Skulls. And Uncle Ben's killer is named Spike so, in this game. So you're... Oh, yes. So Flint Marco was a member of the Skulls? Well, we don't know that yet, but apparently, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they uh, it, they go all out in the game for it. They have, like, leather jackets with their big skull tattoos on the back, or their big patches, I should say. Not very subtle. No, it, not at all. But they try to build this mythology, definitely, with the, the Skulls being this tough gang in Manhattan, you know, they have their own clubhouse, their own hideout. And this is like one of the first levels where you sort of get to one of the cool things about this game. Now that I think about it is Spider-Man gets to be a little bit stealthy. Hmm. And some of these levels, you get bonus points. If you can get from one point to another without getting detected by any of the bad guys. Now is, uh, is stealth as much of an element in the next two installments as well? No, no, not at all. No. Well, the third game a little bit, I'd say more so it stands out with the first game. I think the first so, so a little bit of an outlier. Yeah, the first game, there's a few levels where you definitely rely a little bit on the stealth. It's not a huge thing. And like if you don't do it, it you don't lose, but you can get bonus points if you do it well. Sure. And uh in some of the later levels it's 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 a little bit more important to you know, getting through the level without a scratch on you. Hmm. And so this early level is like your first chance to sort of use and discover your stealth powers. So eventually you you battle your way through the the skulls. You beat up wave after wave of these uh of these gangsters and you finally you finally get to your first boss battle and it is as you might imagine, it's Uncle Ben's killer, Spike, quote unquote. Yeah. And Spike, he has a giant shotgun and these flash grenades and huh. he just the flash grenades don't hurt you but they blind you so you can't see what you're doing and the shotgun, you know, it's very powerful. It'll knock you back. I mean, it is yeah, I definitely don't remember that in the movie. It's it's a surprisingly challenging boss battle for so early in the game, but uh, it it to be pretty 
you know, pretty good at ranged attacks to to get, you know, to, especially on the harder difficulties. What about ranged attacks? Did you give them a chance? Did you? <laughs> Me, you're going, no, you're going to have to, though. That, he's right. You're going to have to give them a chance if you want, especially on the harder difficulties. Um, yeah, and I should mention, so, like, there's four difficulty levels in this game. There's easy, medium, hero, and superhero. And hmm. obviously, they get harder as you go up there. So easy... It's pretty easy. Medium is is a little bit more challenging than superhero is insanely difficult. If you want a good challenge, but you don't want to like you know kill yourself with stress, I'd say hero is a good is a good one to do. It's definitely more challenging, but it's not crazy difficult or anything. Yeah, easy definitely sounds more like my speed when it comes to video games, but duly noted. <laughs> well, the the nice thing about beating it on the harder difficulties is the more points you get. So if you beat the level on superhero, you get like two thousand points. Whereas if you beat it on easy, you get like 200 you know hmm. and the bonus points matter for what what you can unlock um, after you beat it so oh, yeah but uh the next major level you do is you have the side plot involving shocker and vulture hmm. and one of these cutscenes tells us that they team up to rob a jewelry store spider-man's kind of swinging through the city he comes upon kind of by happenstance he sees vulture flying away and he sees shocker and some goons getting into the back of a van but then their van crashes into the grand central station so you're right away. You're getting into another iconic uh, New York landmark. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. So you're so basically the whole, the next three levels. You're chasing Shocker through Grand Central Station, then the sewer tunnels, and then finally you get to the subway tunnels. And Shocker and Spidey have what I think is probably one of the favorite my favorite parts in the game. Hmm. They're a little back and forth. Yeah. You know, so we all know what Shocker looks like. He kind of has like this quilted appearance to him. And Spider-Man in this game is a lot more snarky, a lot more a lot more of a wise guy. He's always coming up with some pretty funny quips. And Spider-Man, when he sees Shocker for the first time, he's like, who are you? Padded Pete? Mr. Triple Ply? Oh, I've got it. The Cushion. <laughs> he's really snarky in this game. It's it's pretty great because um, you don't really see that for Tobey Maguire in the movie. And I should mention it is Tobey Maguire doing the voice acting. Yeah, he, nowhere near as snarky in the movies. Yeah, no, but you you get a, a little, little bit, bit. Nowhere near as much. You get a much better taste of that in the game here. And it's a lot of it's a lot of fun to hear him kind of making these jokes at the villain's expense. Yeah, poking some some serious fun at uh, at a classic design. Yeah. <laughs> and so then you move on to, to going after Vulture, and first you have to climb this clock tower. It's kind of a maze, and all the while Vulture is attacking you in a number of ways, and you have to withstand all that to get to the top. Vulture tries to escape, and you're chasing him around New York City, and this is a good level because it sort of prepares you for a couple of the chase levels later on in the game. Hmm. You have to keep up with Vulture as he flies through Manhattan, and all the while he's destroying stuff along the way. So you have to keep up with him, and you also have to stop these, stop this destruction from hurting any civilians. Which, Interesting. If you're successful at that, you get to your next boss battle, which is fighting Vulture at the Chrysler Building in a thunderstorm, which is actually really cool. There are some really cool visuals there. You have the lightning, you have the clouds, you have the Chrysler Building, which is a very famous New York landmark. It sounds really cool. So finally, once you uh, once you beat up Vulture, you kind of we start to tie back into the to the plot elements from the movie, and you know again similar to the movie, you have Norman Osborn at Oscorp, and he's testing this human enhancement serum on himself as part of this military development project, and in the game, as it turns out, he's also tracking down two individuals that have enhanced uh, arachnid DNA, one of which is Spider Man, and the other one. You might be able to guess, Peter, is uh, Scorpion. Interesting. It, why, why is he tracking them down? Because they want to capture them and figure out why are these people um, genetically enhanced. Huh. 
So they they want to study them, basically. They want to figure out how did these people get to be enhanced without having to go through the performance enhancer? Like, what was what was the enhancer for these folks, in other words? Interesting. So, but that's an interesting wrinkle in this game that, uh, you know, Norman's out to find these yes. two arachnid-powered beings. And that's an interesting way to organically bring in another comic book villain Absolutely. for Peter to face Absolutely. off against. No, it, it, I, it's really interesting. All, all I can tell you is that the, however Scorpion got his powers, it really messed him up. He's really mm. paranoid. He's really disturbed. I mean, it, he's very, very clearly been traumatized. And you team up with Scorpion and mm. you're back at the subway station. You're in this giant parking garage. And you and Scorpion sort of team up to destroy a bunch of uh, Oscorp robots that have been sent to hunt you down. Mm. They're called hunter killers, I should say. So there's no... They're, they don't leave any doubt as to what Oscorp is trying to do here. They're trying to either hunt you or kill you. <laughs> but after you beat all these robots back, you know, you have another boss battle against Scorpion. But it's kind of cool. It's like a really like the the ambiance in this level against the Scorpion as the boss battle is really cool. Hmm. It's the same subway station from earlier, but the earlier level was in the daytime. This one's at night. And so it's dark and they have this really creepy, eerie music that plays. It's really cool. Hmm. It's a really interesting sort of sensory experience fighting him in, in the dark and with this sort of creepy music all along. Mm, yeah. So once you beat Scorpion, you finally really get back into the movie stuff. And the next, the very next level puts you out at the uh, World Unity Festival. The very first thing you do there is save Mary Jane. Uh, I think she's on top of one of the balloons. I don't think she's on the balcony like in the movie. A little more interesting and dynamic. Sure. Yeah. And then it's kind of a similar level to like Vulture earlier in that like you chase Goblin around the, the rooftops for a while. And all the while, he's bombing and destroying different different things. Hmm. And you have to fix them with your webbing, or else they'll fall apart and, again, kill civilians. And all the while, you have to, you have to kind of fight him. And that's like your first uh, taste of the, battle, of the battles to come against Goblin. It's, not, it's hard, but it, it gets a lot worse, believe me. Hmm. Goblin is a horrifically difficult hand-to-hand fighter. I mean, he has this one attack. It is so devastating. What he does is he grabs you. He grabs you by the neck and just holds you. And all the while, like, your health bar is just draining rapidly. Like, it is going down, down, down. Oh, dang. Yeah. Like, if, if it's on hard, if he does that more than twice, you're dead. Hmm. And the game even tells you, I forgot to mention this, but in between each level, the game gives you, like, a little bit of a hint for the level hmm. to come. And the, for this level, it said, beware, Goblin is a devastating hand-to-hand fighter. Did not lie. So, finally, if you make it through that hand-to-hand combat with him and you beat him, oh, your trouble is far from over because here... Goblin in this game is, I mean, sure, in the movie, he attacks that, you know, tram load full of kids. But in this game, he literally is trying to destroy all of Manhattan because the next level is, it's a race against time. That's literally what it's called, race against time, because what what happens is Goblin sets up a bunch of weapons of mass destruction. I'm not even kidding, like chemical bombs. And if you don't disable them within the time they give you, they go off and a poisonous gas will kill everybody in Manhattan. I'm not even kidding. Like, it's pretty... Really it, stepped up his game here. Yeah, it is like, it's it's hard. <laughs> it is darn difficult on the harder difficulties. Hmm. But yeah, Goblin is not messing around in this game. Like, he has no qualm whatsoever about like murdering, you know, two million people, apparently. Hmm. So finally, if you make it through the bombs... You get to another level with Goblin and his technology, wave after wave of razor bats. Hate and those things. Yeah. You battle dozens and dozens and dozens of them. You have to destroy at least 50 to 100. Hmm. And um, once you do that, you finally get a little bit of a reprieve. Hmm. Spider-Man, he collects 
a part of one of the razor bats. And he's like, who's this goblin guy? Why does he keep attacking me? And he studies the razor bat wing and he figures out that it's from Oscorp. So he decides, well, I better go pay a visit to them and figure out what's going on. And uh, you get to infiltrate Oscorp, which is really cool. Interesting. This is my favorite level in the whole game. Yeah. My favorite level in the whole game. It's called Breaking and Entering. And this is, I mentioned stealth earlier. This is like the level where I would say stealth is most important because you have to get from one side of the building to another. And if you can do it without getting spotted by any of the security guards, uh, you get bonus points for it. But obviously, it's very hard to do that. I like that you get bonus points, but it's not necessary. So you can sort of oh, find your own way. I mean, you're you're rewarded for being really good at it, but it doesn't hold you back absolutely. if you're not. Absolutely. I mean, in this level, there's a lot of shadowy areas. that you where, get to choose. Yeah, like if you've mastered like how to crawl in the shadows, if you've mastered like, you know, web zipping, if you've mastered all these different ways to get around without attracting attention, you definitely get rewarded for it. But yeah, like if you just want to like be, uh, you know, Leroy Jenkins and just, you know, blast your way through the level, you can do that too. (laughs) You know, if you just want to, you know, John Wayne or whatever, just charging the beaches of Normandy, you just want to attack all these guys head on. Now, I will say. Any other uh, references from various generations you want to make, Sean? Well, you know, I'm just I'm trying to cover all the bases here, but I was just going to say. John Wick, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. You know, Teddy Roosevelt, whatever hard charging, um, you know, reckless male role model you want to think of here. But uh (laughs) The downside to doing it that way is that Oscorp has this entire army of giant super soldier robots that are a lot more deadly than the ones that you've already faced. Hmm. So it's definitely to your benefit to be stealthy. Yeah, I see. So that level is very fun. It's very challenging. You kind of it's a little bit different. It's it's not like just a beat em up. It's not just a, a chase level. It's a little bit it's just different. It's like you get to be stealthy. You, you get to be a little bit more slow and methodical with how you go through the levels. It kind of challenges you in a way that you haven't been challenged yet to this point in the game. And the music is really cool too, because if the alarm goes off, they have this really intense music. It's like very much like trying to make you sweat while these uh, super soldiers and guards are running around looking for you. It's really intense. Hmm. Like the atmosphere in that level is just chef's kiss. You know, it is (laughs) superb. It is such an immersive experience. And I, it sounds like this game really nailed atmosphere from, how you've been yeah, describing it. It did. I mean, pretty much by and large. Oh, I mean, like with the lighting, with the soundtrack, with the level design. I mean, they give you a lot of really cool visuals and a lot of really cool sounds and music effects. So I think absolutely this game has a wonderful atmosphere. I could not uh, say, you know, enough good things about it. But uh, yeah, so finally, you get to what I would argue is probably the most like disturbing level of the game, as if, you know, some of these other levels weren't disturbing enough. But, uh, you get to a level called Chemical Chaos. And in this level, you are tasked with the not insignificant job of dismantling Oscorp's chemical weapons program. And the stakes in this level, I kid you not, could not be higher. Because if you mess up, you know, the whole city is destroyed. You unleash this chemical reaction that just apparently kills everybody. It is crazy intense. I mean, you could potentially start some sort of a international incident too i mean you know absolutely absolutely once everything goes up who's to say who the cause of that was absolutely i mean you never in some scary international territory here. very very easily i think it's a very dark way to tie back into this whole idea that oscorp is developing weapons for the u.s military i mean who uses chemical weapons besides terrorists you know yeah yeah oscorp sounds even a bit slimier in the game than it does in the movie Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, they're, yeah, they're same for Norman. No, I mean, they're hunting um, Spider-Man and Scorpion. They're sending out killer robots. They're developing very deadly chemical weapons. I mean, they're 
they're just doing all sorts of shady stuff. And in fact, the next level, they, it's it's more of the same because you have to battle this giant robot. And it, I mean, I mean, this thing is huge. Spider-Man in one of his quips says it's as big as Long Island. Where the heck did this thing come from? I don't know, but it's like the, Oscorp just has like this giant like hangar where they're just storing this giant robot. Oscorp has a kaiju division. Apparently, they have like this. They have like this giant <laughs> hangar where they just have this robot, and that's incredible. Pretty deadly stuff here. So. Finally, uh, if you beat all of that, you get to escape from Oscorp. You finally get to the end of the game, which is one level where you chase the goblin after he kidnaps Mary Jane. And then finally, you finally get to that last boss battle. And this boss battle takes place entirely on the bridge. Hmm. And so finally, if you beat Goblin on that last level, you get to the final cutscene, which is uh, what I think is one of the more interesting divergences from the movie that this game has. But uh, you get the big reveal. So he takes off his mask. And, you know, Peter is dismayed that it's Mr. Osborne. Peter says, Mr. Osborne, why? And then <laughs> Mr. Osborne says, surprise, but the biggest surprise is yet to come. <laughs> and so then what? and so then the, the glider comes at you from behind. You jump out of the way like in the movie. And then it impales Goblin like in the movie. And then and as his last words in the game, he says, tell Harry, I'm sorry. Instead of in the movie where he says, don't tell Harry. Yeah, Some pretty, that's an interesting difference. So that whole sequence is similar, but so different from the movie. Well, I got to say, this whole last section with Norman Osborn really seems to have gone off the tracks of the movie with him coming after you for your spider blood and yeah. the, the conspiracy with Oscorp and the robots and the uh, plan to nuke New York. You know, this whole thing definitely seems to have gone down a separate track from the movie. You know, in in this for the sake of gameplay, yeah. naturally. It, one other thing too, I think like MJ suggests that she knows he's Spider-Man. I think so, yeah, because I think Spider after after Norman dies, Spider-Man is about to tell Mary Jane like like who he is, but then she says, "Stop!" Like I already know, and that's when they start kissing. Yeah, it's it's interesting how that diverged from the final product of the movie. But like once again, how are you going to capture like that interesting kiss moment from the movie in a game? And, yeah, exactly. You know, tracking um, down like pieces of Oscorp technology does sound more interesting than like a tense uh, Thanksgiving level exactly. of a video game. <laughs> yeah, so I guess like <laughs> you're right because I'll bet you understandable, yeah, just interesting. Like for just with the limitations of having a video game, you know, you're right. A level about Thanksgiving would be a little bit more difficult to make a dynamic and interesting environment versus like you're battling super soldier robots or trying to sneak around, uh, you know, the Oscorp offices, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just, uh, you know, the limitations and are a little bit different with each medium. Oh, so yeah. for the video game, yeah, it's going to be a little bit more condensed, a little bit more, you know, there's going to be more adventure elements to it versus more, versus dramatic elements. So interesting to see how they make it work. But I think they made it work well. Sounds and like it. That's, well, that's how the game ends. And, obviously, and there's one trick uh, I'll mention, you know, this is a good segue into the bonus features, but there is a... A pretty infamous glitch from the end of the game here, where um, if you play that, you can play the game as Mary Jane in her red dress. And if you beat the game as Mary Jane in your red dress, mm -hmm. after you save Mary Jane, you start to kiss her like in the movie. So at the time, there were some concerns because it looked a little bit like a, a lesbian sort of thing. And in the early 2000s, of course, that was a lot more controversial. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so definitely. Yep, that's um, my life. It, complicated yep and peter you <laughs> you nailed it right there because spider-man has a little bit of an out of like an outro narration there and he says that's my life complicated now go outside and play 
Like, or I think he says, Look, looks like you're done now. Now go outside and play. Nice. Which is in line with the Bruce Campbell fourth wall breaking, but that is kind of, must be a surprise to have uh, your main character turn to you and be like, all right, that's enough. But I guess it's yeah. really not that different from the movie because he kind of has that same sort of narration, like, who am I? Do you really want to know? That's true. That's true. He it's, talks to the audience in the movie, too. So Good it's point. kind of, I would say it's very similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Speaking <laughs> of the Mary Jane skin, I think that's a great segue into the bonus features. Yeah. Which um, I think is the coolest bonus feature of any game I've ever played. If you beat the game on hero mode, you can unlock the Green Goblin costume. And I mean the full-on Green Goblin suit, the glider, the pumpkin <laughs> bombs, the machine gun. You get the whole nine yards. It is so cool. That is pretty it is, sweet. It is spectacular. And you can play the whole game as him. And what's really interesting about that is it's actually like a different storyline. You're actually Harry Osborn as the goblin, and you're tracking down this imposter goblin. Interesting. I mean, the story itself is a little bit, I mean, it's cool because it's a different story, but it is a little bit contrived. And some people speculate that it's just like Harry fighting his own hallucination or something. But, interesting. Uh, well, I mean, that's pretty interesting. Huh? But so it's basically the same game. Yeah. But um, like your uh, intentions and objectives are different. Exactly. But you're doing the you're same You're doing the same things. levels. You're going in the Exactly. The conspiracy is like, who is this you know, goblin imposter that took all the equipment after my dad died? You know, that sort of thing. Interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, so it's kind of cool. And, you know, funny you use that word spectacular there, Sean. Uh, I do happen to know that Josh Keaton, a.k.a. the Spectacular Spider-Man, voices yep. Harry Osborn in this movie. Well, it's it's interesting because from what I've read, they weren't sure if Tobey Maguire would be able to, to do the voiceover work for the game or not. So they brought him in because they thought he would have to do Spider-Man. But once Tobey Maguire was available, they had him do Harry Osborn instead. And for people that have seen Spectacular Spider-Man, that must be a little surreal to hear Tobey and Josh, like two extremely notable Spider-Men, talking to each other and not both being Spider-Man. It would be very interesting to hear what the video game as done by Josh Keaton would have sounded like, but I guess you do sort of get a taste of that yeah. with the Green Goblin version. Absolutely. I mean, he he does a great job. I think his voice acting is really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, he definitely has a lot of life to him. Tobey Maguire's is pretty good, too. Norm. I, I don't know. Well, Something seems a little bit off with Toby and his... Uh, delivery in this game i think that's pretty I, I, fair no, he say. definitely always gets a lot of criticism for his voiceover work um i think it's better in this game than in than in the next one hmm. but um willem dafoe is pretty good in the game too he voices uh, norman yeah. osborne mary jane is not kirsten dunce so her voice is a little strange but yeah, the voiceover work overall i think is solid it's not like great but it's it's overall it's it's decent yeah now speaking of the uh the bonus features in the game one that i found out about did you know that you can play from first-person perspective, too? I think I've heard that, but I, I've never done it myself. It would definitely add another challenge to it, for sure. Like, your field of vision is a lot smaller that way. Maybe just swinging would be cool. Yeah. Well, that's actually funny you mentioned that, because the that, that's like one of the... I don't. It's not a detriment to the game, but it's definitely very unrealistic. It's like right. the web swinging is just... You're just swinging into thin air, and they don't really care how it works. Sure. Sort of a classic critique. And so it's very much in line with like the previous installment from 2000. But uh, I mean, it's not bad web swinging, but it's and definitely not, understandable. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. I mean, that I wouldn't expect anything more, really. But I'm sure glad we did with the next one. Absolutely. So what other bonus features do we have here? Yeah. So the Green Goblin costume is the best one. You can unlock different other costumes like like the Mary Jane skin that we talked about. The wrestling costume is one. I think Peter hmm. Parker might be one. Yeah, the classic Alex Ross, too, I understand. Yeah. One of the early yep. costume designs for the movie, which 
ultimately went unused, exactly. which is pretty cool. Yeah. You can get to play that here. Yep. I think there's also one for Goblin, too. You can unlock, like, the early version of what his costume was oh, meant cool. to look like. So, yeah, they have some interesting costumes you can unlock. They have this level called Pinhead Bowling, which is where you web swing down a bowling alley and knock out some of the thugs that you battled during the game. So cool. it's not super interesting, but it's fun. It's a neat little thing. It's, it's a fun idea, yeah. But yeah, kind of to sum up the game for from my own perspective, my own experiences, I think this game is incredibly fun. It's a really faithful adaptation of the movie, but it has some interesting plot elements all to its own. It's definitely frustrating at times. There's some levels that are a little bit tricky, especially like the ones against Goblin where you're trying to, you know, disarm the bombs, for example. That one's pretty yeah. frustrating. Yeah. But yeah, so you get an interesting mix of bosses and other villains. Uh, there's a lot of replay value with the combos and the bonus features that encourage you to keep playing it on the different difficulties to unlock more features. Hmm. Spider-Man himself, his personality is really well-rounded. You know, you get the same stuff with the movie in terms of his sensitivity, but also you get like that snarkier, that more combative side, let's say. You know, you get some of that, which is kind of refreshing. It's kind of neat to see a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man being a little bit more assertive or being a little bit more sarcastic or snarky with the villains. So it's yeah. kind of cool to see that. I mean, it does sound to me like it nailed a lot of the atmosphere really well. And also the fact that, like, you know, Spidey is sort of a quintessential New York superhero. And this sounds like it really uses its New York setting to its advantage oh, absolutely. in a really cool way. And, yeah, I think I think the Green Goblin costume alone is such a cool feature that that is worth the price of this game. I think that alone makes this game all worth it. Yeah, it does sound like a pretty cool bonus It is feature, so yeah. cool to, like, have all of the Goblin's weapons and controls at your command. Well, you know how I mentioned earlier about that breaking and entering level where you can either do it stealthy yeah. or you can do it like um, you know, you're storming the beaches of Normandy. Well, one of my favorite things to do is to play this game as Goblin and go through that level on your glider with the machine gun and just destroy as many robots as I can. <laughs> That's the perfect level to not do the stealth mode, but to like just uh, go through it, blasting, bombing, <laughs> shooting everything you see. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, but my only complaint overall is that this game was too short. I could mm. use another 10 levels. I mean, it's so much fun. Such a fun game. I have so much nostalgia for it. To this day, I think a perfect Friday night would involve playing this game, having a beer or two, just chilling out. <laughs> I think that would be just a great, great way to, you know, pass the time. You know, it's, it's a great game. I still think it holds up. I think it holds up, you know, holds its own against any other Spider-Man video game before or since. Sean Merritt, seal of approval. Absolutely. Well... Now it's time for another favorite Spider-Man game of mine, Brilliant or Lazy. Oh boy. And hopefully Peter's question for me is not superhero level difficult. <laughs> okay, Peter. Well, here I go. Which boss did the Xbox version of the Spider-Man 1 game feature that the GameCube and PlayStation 2 versions did not? Now, that I am aware of. That would be... Everyone's favorite, uh, Sergei Kravinov, Craven the Hunter, exclusive to Xbox. You are correct. For <laughs> extra bonus points, do you know um, the location where you fought him? Uh, New York? Well, that's, yes, but that, go that goes without saying. <laughs> um, no, I don't know where you, where you fought him. This isn't fair. I haven't played the game. <laughs> it is the Central Park Zoo, actually. That makes sense. I probably could have guessed that, especially talking about how much the game incorporated the New York landmarks. Yeah, that's very cool. But uh, now I yep. got to say, did it feel like there was a piece of the game missing when you were playing? Like, did it feel like, huh, I wonder why Spidey's talking about, you know, 
fighting a, a big cat with a gun, you know, all nope. of a sudden. W- w- I wonder why. Like, it didn't feel like there was anything see, missing. See, the thing is, like, I didn't even know about these levels until years later, so I didn't even know what I was missing. But from what I've read, it sounds like the levels were fun, but, like, I don't think you missed out on anything, like, uh, essential to what made the game, you know, an enjoyable experience. So I don't feel like I missed out, but one of these days, if I somehow end up with the Xbox and an Xbox version of this game, I'll give it a try for sure. But that's a great question. I appreciate that. Sure. Well, here comes another question, Sean. Oh boy, I'm ready. As we've established, Craven the Hunter is exclusive to the Xbox game, but he also returns in Spider-Man 3 for all the platforms. But Electro only ever appears in the Raimiverse games in one game on one platform. Can you tell me what that is? Well, my guess would be Spider-Man 3 for the PS2. Spider-Man 3 for the PS2, huh? Yep. I, I, I am afraid that is incorrect, old uh, friend. It turns out that's actually Spider-Man 3, so you get that part right, but specifically for the Game Boy Advance version, huh. which, a little bit of a cheat there. I know I said this wasn't an episode for <laughs> the Game Boy Advance, but yeah, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Well, it's well. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely uh, you know, talk more in more detail about that, but yeah, one of the things that people got really annoyed about with Spider-Man 3, the video game, was that every console's version was a little bit different. There was not a lot of standardization between them, and there's a number of reasons for that, but uh, you you know, you make a perfect example of that. Yeah, I didn't even think about the Game Boy version, but yeah, I don't recall playing Electro in any other iteration of the Raimi game, so... No, you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have. That's interesting. Hmm. So that means that now that we know who's brilliant and who's lazy... Now we can move on. And, you know, speaking of Doc Ock and his favorite aphorisms, let's move on to the video game tie-in for Spider-Man 2. <laughs> and I'll let you take it away, because I definitely haven't even beaten the Rhino yet. So, well, Peter, again, you, you take the lead on this but one, But you know what, though? You played this game as well, so I, I'll be interested to hear your memories and why, what drove you to buy this game, what made you, um, what you liked about it, what you didn't like. So definitely... Oh, well, I mean, I was driven to buy it because I heard it was flipping awesome, and it is. It is a it is a heck of a game, absolutely. Kind of a landmark one. Honestly. I mean, its reputation absolutely precedes it. It's cast a big spider webby shadow all over the uh, you know the history of Spider-Man video games. Absolutely, and this game uh, came out as the tie-in with the second movie in 2004. It was released for the GameCube, PlayStation 2, and Xbox again. I played it as uh, you might have guessed on the GameCube, and I definitely have a lot of childhood nostalgia for this one as well. And as far as I know. There are no differences at all between versions. There's no extra levels. There's no extra villains. There's nothing different between the GameCube, the PS2, and the Xbox other than, like, you know, the graphics or the controls. But nothing as far as gameplay or uh, plot elements go. There's no difference that I can think of, none that I've come across in, um, you know, looking up this stuff. Well, I know the PSP version apparently has gameplay more in the style of the Spider-Man 1 game rather than the... uh innovative web swinging from the rest of the platforms of this game but like you said story-wise yeah that's probably pretty accurate yeah exactly like these games are all pretty much the same but you know from one console to the next uh, of the of like the home consoles um as we uh, define them but uh yeah so this game is kind of it's it's very different from the first um and i think everybody who's played this game knows why this is the first spider-man game to my knowledge that is in the so-called sandbox format so it is the first game that sort of takes after the Grand Theft Auto format of just giving you this wide open area to explore, to do activities in, to do missions in, which you don't have to complete in any particular order for the most part. And it's the very first game that's a lot more open-ended like that. Now, um, you and I, neither of us are video game scholars, but I will say my understanding is that um, 
Open world and sandbox are sometimes used interchangeably, but sandbox really describes more of like a Minecraft sort of game. You I know, gotcha. Where it's, you know, specifically you can do you can do whatever you want. Not necessarily you can go wherever you want, but you can like approach problems oh, okay. however you want. So it's definitely more open world. Well, I, I never thought about that distinction, but I, I mean, think... this isn't exactly a video game podcast, but just to clarify. No, I think you make a good point there. And, and if I'm wrong... Someone please correct me on Twitter. No, I, I think you. Uh, I think you make a good point there. It's definitely open ended. Um, the very first Spider-Man game to be in that sort of tradition. Yeah, and it blew us all away. For the time, for 2004, it was pretty cool. For the time, it was the most detailed version of New York City that anybody had seen, and it has all the major landmarks. It has Statue of Liberty, Empire State Building, Chrysler Building, Central Park, even Ground Zero. You know where the World Trade Center used to be. I mean, it has uh, yeah. you know all of the major landmarks that you would expect to see in Manhattan. Now, I think it's significantly scaled down from the real life version of Manhattan, but sure. it has it even has like the different neighborhoods. Like whenever you're swinging through the city, it'll tell you what neighborhood you're in, which is pretty cool. Yes, that, like I like that. Lower East Side, um, Upper East Side, um, Hell's Kitchen. I like that detail. Yeah. So it kind of gives you a lo- like a much better sense of place of where you are in New York City. It's not just some generic part of Manhattan, but you're actually like you're able to kind of pinpoint where you are when you're doing these missions, which is kind of neat. Oh, yeah. Really gets you into the world. It does. It does a really great job of world building. But notwithstanding that, it does have a little bit of like a structure in terms of like different levels. And it, again, roughly follows the plot of the movie. And the controls are significantly different. There's some different attacks and different abilities you have in this game that you didn't have in the last one. Uh, But there's also attacks that you don't have this time around. Like you don't have as many web-based attacks, but you have the ability to do this really cool thing called spider reflexes where you can like slow down time and dodge the bad guy's attacks and dodge bullets and stuff like that a lot more easily. So it's not always the easiest to kind of, you know, slip in and out of spider reflexes, but it is there. Like if you want, if you're like, you know, getting pounced on by like a whole gang of baddies and you want to slow things down to kind of even things out a little bit, you can use spider reflexes, for example, to sort of even the fight. Yeah. So that was like, you know, one of the more interesting combat innovations, but otherwise like, you know, they do have like combos, but instead of finding them for upgrading them, you actually have to buy them from a store. Right, a comic book store. Yeah. So that's kind of a segue into how this game is set up. But basically, this game is entirely based on the idea of hero points. And when you complete levels or when you complete activities, you complete challenges, you get so many hero points and you use these points to buy upgrades from the store. And you, you know, the biggest one is like, you know, you upgrade your web swinging speed. So you go faster and faster. And of course, the web swinging is what probably most people remember about this game. It was the very first Spider-Man game to be both open ended and to have like a realistic physics based web swinging platform. So you're when you're swinging, you have to like actually make sure that your line is being attached to a building and that like your arc makes sense in terms of like the physics of it. It's very very different from the last game where you were just kind of swinging into into thin air. You didn't you didn't care where your line ended up. But like in this game, if you don't have anything to grab onto, you're not going to go anywhere. It's very realistic in that sense. Yeah, we can thank uh, Jamie Fristrom, who was the lead designer on Spider-Man 2 for that. It was a designer on the first one and felt really pretty dissatisfied uh, as a Spider-Man fan that you were basically swinging from clouds. Yeah. So he really poured a lot of his own time into trying to develop this new, more accurate way of swinging around like Spider-Man. So we can thank him for spearheading that. And of course, he said he certainly couldn't have done it alone. So his whole team as well. But uh, what an incredible innovation for the Spider-Man games. And, you know, one that we're still talking about now, even after, you know, we've got the Spider-Man 2018 game. Because it, it just was that much of a landmark for Spider-Man games. It, it absolutely was. I mean, I definitely and think... movie um, video game tie-ins 
to boot. Definitely. I mean, it's definitely, again, like I think that's what a lot of people remember, like between the web swinging and the open-ended New York City, that's what has really defined its legacy. Yeah. Because I think some of the levels themselves are, you know, maybe not quite as memorable, but... Uh, and a little, definitely more than a little repetitive, yeah. Well, that's a good segue into how do you, what do you actually do within this open world? And there's the main levels that sort of, again, they roughly follow the plot of the movie, but uh, in between all of that stuff, you have a number of different side plots and a number of different like little missions that you can do to sort of get more hero points. And the missions are, you know, they're pretty simplistic and yes, repetitive, hmm. but um, there's kind of like a few basic categories, one of which is citizens in distress. So in other words, like people on the street will like yell for you. They'll say, hey, Spider-Man. And you go and talk to them and they'll tell you that somebody is drowning or somebody is about to fall off a building. Somebody's getting mugged. Or it's a trick and they'll jump you. Yeah, exactly. Like, sometimes they try to ambush you, which is annoying. Eventually, they will hate you. Oh, how right he was. Yeah, because even, like, the person, this is the really annoying thing, but, like, the person that ambushes you, they'll tell you that they're sorry, and then after you defeat the ambush, if you run into them, they, like, yell at you and say, watch where you're going. <laughs> it's like, you just tried to kill me, and it's like, you're being rude to me? Like, how dare you? His adoring public. Exactly. So, <laughs> so then the next category is uh, what they would call the random crimes, and that's, like, again, muggings. Sometimes it's road rage incidents. Sometimes it's people trying to break into a building. Sometimes it's a gang war. And of course, the one that I know you're familiar with, Peter, the child who loses their balloon. My balloon. Yeah, it's as classic as it is irritating. I'm sure so many of you uh, have nightmares hearing that, you know, that child wailing and crying about his stupid balloon. What a horrible use of Spider-Man's time. <laughs> Having said that, I was a kid once who once lost his balloon and was sad about it, so I see where he's coming from, but does it have to be so annoying about it? Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's not even... The... Give me some time, too. Holy cow. It's a it's a balloon. It's not a, the easiest thing to catch out of midair. Spider <laughs> powers or no. Uh, but then, of course, there are other ways to get points, such as different um, speed and skill challenges. There's finding like little collector's tokens that are hidden throughout the city and the Daily Bugle photo missions where you can like go to the Bugle, interact with J. Jonah Jameson, get an assignment. Then you have to run out to a part of the city, take pictures and get back within like a couple of minutes. It's actually pretty challenging. And then they have a similar set of missions for Mary Jane dates. So like you might go to Mary Jane's apartment and she has this date that she wants to do with you and you have to like race to the other side of the city within like a couple of minutes. So to beat these missions, you have to like be upgrading your skills constantly. You have to be constantly getting the higher swing speeds, for example. Mm. And finally, the most, I would say, legendary and hated set of these missions, pizza delivery. Oh, boy. Ah, oh, but that's the only one with its own memorable theme song it does have the uh you know very stereotypically italian finicini finicula song to it played on this accordion that one youtuber compared to uh an organ grinder and a an insane monkey playing the tune faster and faster as uh, as time runs out true true but you know it's it's certainly memorable i know on at least one occasion you and i have picked up pizza and blasted that on the car as we brought <laughs> the pizza back it, it's, I mean, it's just fun. I mean, it's like, it's kind of a really cool way to like, let you pretend like you're in the movie with that particular plot point of Peter delivering pizza. And Mr. Aziz in the game is a lot older. He's not this young guy that uh, you see in the movie. He's a lot older and a lot angrier, if you can believe that. But um, <laughs> so the pizza delivery missions get increasingly difficult as they all do. And you, know, you start out making one delivery really close to the restaurant, which is easy. Then you, by the end, you're like delivering to like five rooftops, one boat. It, it, it's insane. Yeah, who's the jerk who orders a pizza to a boat? 
Yeah, well, the boats in this game are ridiculous, too, because some of the distress missions involve you having to save people from a sinking ship. And you have to do the same thing. You have to, like, like sprint onto the boat. Then you have to, like, get the person, then sprint back onto the land without falling in the water. If you fall in the water, it's mission over. Yeah, Spidey's not a very good swimmer in these games. He's not, like, you know, he, but he does make a joke. Like, every time you fall in the water, he'll say, oh, nothing like a little New York water to clear out your sinuses. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Spidey is just not a very good hero for when you're, you know, sinking on a boat. I mean, you probably want to call, like, Namor the Submariner before you call Spidey. He's, uh, he's no Aquaman, that's for sure. He's not even the Little Mermaid, you know? <laughs> but yeah, so suffice to say, Peter is not much of a good, sw- he's not a good swimmer in this game. So, so those are the different side, you know, kind of quests. I don't know if, I, I don't know if quest is the right word, but they're like different side activities you can do. Uh, because there's different side plots within the game. There's like different, you you fight different bosses. It's not just Doc Ock. And um, then there's a few levels where you have like this kind of flirtatious series of events with Black Cat, which is weird. But um, okay, I, I mean, you just kind of go with it. But Yeah, boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy meets another girl. Like, what? This this wasn't the Spider-Man 2 movie I saw. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't particularly care for the Black Cat stuff. I kind of... Because, like, you have to, like, race her a, a few times. Then you have to, you know, you're just going on these missions with her. And I don't know. They're, I don't enjoy them all that much, honestly. I think they just kind of... They're just there to pad out the running time a little mm-hmm. bit. But on the other hand, my favorite set of missions is actually the group against Mysterio. Hmm. Master of Illusion. Yes. And so kind of the story there is basically... Quentin Beck, this master of illusion, thinks that Spider-Man is a fraud. So he puts out this public challenge and says, Spider-Man, you come down to Madison Square Garden and beat this series of challenges. If you can't do it, then we'll all know that you're a fraud. Hmm. And Spider-Man goes and naturally he beats all of the challenges. So Quentin Beck is pretty humiliated and decides to become Mysterio at this press conference, basically. And the reporters all laugh at him. So he brings in these robots and blows up the auditorium. And Spider-Man has to save all these uh, reporters from the robots. And this is the weirdest mission in the game that I had the hardest time beating as a kid. But the next mission is Mysterio takes over the Statue of Liberty, turns it into his own likeness. Hmm. And it, a little the, bit of a knockoff David Copperfield. It is being powered by this like orb and shield generator system. And it's really hard because you can't web swing up there. You have to like rely on these... Um, I guess they're drones or something. They, hmm. they like they hoist you up to the top of the Statue of Liberty and you have to destroy these orbs. And then if you do that, you get to destroy the brain of this machine. And it's like you have to do that pretty quickly or else the orbs will regenerate. So that level took me a long time to beat as a kid. It was hmm. really annoying. But it, it has a really cool soundtrack. It has like this really neat like sort of 1950s sci-fi sounding sort of music. It's really cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's one of the few times in the game where you actually have like some background music because usually when you're just kind of going through the the city, you don't really get a lot of background music. Yeah, there's like one track that weaves in and out and plays absolutely repetitively. It's fine the first time, gets super annoying after that. Exactly, exactly. Honestly, more often than not, on the few times where I have played the game, I just I just mute the sound. I leave the sound effects on, but I mute the music, and I just play a playlist of Danny Elfman's music from the movie. <laughs> no, that's a great idea. Like it's yeah, the music in the game overall is kind of lame, except for that Mysterio level, which I think is really cool. But um, so finally, once you beat the Statue of Liberty challenge, then you get to battle quote unquote Mysterio one on one, and you see his health bar charge up like three or four times, as if he has all this health and it's going to be really hard to beat him. You hit him once, and he's gone. <laughs> You knock him out in one punch, and that's it. That's awesome. I I love that. I mean, he pulled a trick on you, the player. Yeah, exactly. 
pretty uh, hilarious subversion. I love that. That's hilarious. Yeah. He's literally all smoke and mirrors. And yeah, like once you hit him, he's gone. I mean, that must have been a heck of an experience when, you know, when you're in the heat of the game and you get to that. That must have been quite a quite a shock. Oh, absolutely. It was actually kind of a relief, though, because I remember, um, you know, some of the other boss battles are pretty challenging. So <laughs> it was kind of a relief to not have to work too hard to beat Mysterio. Well, not even the boss battle. That, like, Statue of Liberty battle or level is super hard. Yeah. So the boss battle against Mysterio is kind of a nice uh, way to make up for that. Hmm. Then after that, you jump back into the Doc Ock plot elements, which... Which are a lot of fun. The, the final yeah. boss battle was really cool. I wouldn't know. Where you have to like, you know, dismantle his new fusion machine all the while he's trying to, you know, come after you with his four, you know, tentacled arms. Hmm. So it's a pretty challenging boss battle, but it's a lot of fun. As it should be. And um, the only thing I don't like about this game is that you can't go backwards. You, you, you can't replay levels once you beat them. Hmm. You know, the first game you had that ability to like go back and replay levels if you really like them. But in this game, you can't do that. And it's actually kind of annoying because I would love to like replay the... Mysterio levels or like, you know, the Doc Ock levels again. That's kind of a shame. Yeah. So once you're done, you still have the whole open world to swing through, but like, yeah. you can't just go back and play those levels. Yeah, that would have been perfect. Exactly. My understanding is that there was more content that they wanted to put into this game, but then they just didn't have the time to implement it before it had to go out, which is, of course, often, you know, these video games are often a rush to the finish uh, when they're movie tie-ins. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, uh, totally understood. I mean, frankly, the Bruce Campbell running commentary is worth the price of a mission alone, if you ask me. Well, that that's actually, I didn't mention that, but yeah, like one of the things you can do to get points is that they have these question marks around the city and they're little advice markers, they call them. And uh, Bruce Campbell gives you different advice at each one. And sometimes more dubious than others. Yeah, some of them, like one of them, he literally gives you the measurements for Black Cat's um, figure, which is a little weird. Mm, interesting. Very 2004. <laughs> So there's that, but other times he actually gives you like really good tips about how to like handle yourself in combat or the different bosses. So I don't know, you, you kind of take the good with the bad there, but either way, it's really cool to hear, you know, that's what I, I meant when I said earlier, he has a lot more of a, a role in this game. You know, you get to really enjoy him at all of those different hint markers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's actually what they're called. They're called hint markers. But uh, yeah, overall, I think there's some, you know, neat bonus features, but I think overall... I think it kind of pales in comparison to its predecessor, where, I'm sorry, you just can't top the goblin costume. That is so cool. Hmm. Now, not that I would ever want to make anyone have to pick a favorite, but it kind of sounds like, of the games, whereas most people would probably say Spider-Man 2 was their favorite, it sounds like you're you're more of a Spider-Man 1 kind of guy. I am. I, absolutely. I think cool. Spider-Man 1 has better bonus features. I think the gameplay's more fun. I, the combat's more interesting. There's more web-based attacks in the first game. Um, I like the storyline a lot more. There's no unnecessary diversion missions i mean for the most part so hmm. and with its connection to uh spider-man 2000 which is a game you also have a great affinity for yeah uh, that makes a lot of sense yeah because it's very it's a very similar style of gameplay so i definitely i can definitely appreciate it in that regard as well so but i think it's i mean i will i will say though that i think i do think that exploring new york city is pretty cool in its own right but it's also you know, with the benefit of hindsight, you do realize that eh, it's a little bit rudimentary, but for 2004, it wasn't bad. Oh, yeah. I would, I mean, if they could work out the the rights, I would be fascinated to see a, uh, you know, sort of like a, an updated re-release of this. You know, I mean, it wouldn't necessarily compete with, uh, you know, the current Spider-Man games from Insomniac, but just for the sake of um, updating this, I think, classic in its own right, video game for the modern console generation. It would be nice to see it just with oh. a little bit of updated graphics and maybe with the ability to replay uh, some of those levels. Um, would be nice just for, you know, 
video game history's sake almost. No, absolutely. You know? And that's kind of like my overall impression of this game. I think it's fun. I think it has some fun elements. I think the the plot stays relatively true to the movie. There's a, I didn't even mention this, but there are some levels where you have to like hurry up and get across the city to get to Dr. Connor's class, for example. So you definitely you feel almost like Spider-Man in the movie where you have like 10 different things pulling you in 10 different directions. Hmm. Daily Bugle, Mary Jane, um, Connor's class, Dr. Octavius' oh, no. experiment. Dr. You have all the Connor's class. Yep. So you definitely get that sense of there's just a lot to do and a lot of space you know, to do it in. Sure. But I think on the other hand, some of the some of the missions are a little bit repetitive. They get real repetitive real quick. Like once you do a few of them, like there's not a whole lot of variety. Yeah. So that can get a little bit tiresome. So yeah, I think the second game overall, it's fun. It's a landmark game. It definitely, you know, was the first open, open uh, ended spider open world, I should say, Spider-Man game. So that's, you know, for that reason alone, it's historically notable. Mm-hmm. I think I can appreciate it for being, you know, for blazing the trail, even if later games maybe d- took certain things and perfected them. But for what it is, I think it's a good game. Well, now that brings us to just uh, one more of the mainline Raimi Spider-Man trilogy games. Yes. Breaking our way into the, the seventh generation of consoles here. Heading into the home stretch. So Spider-Man 3, the video game, released in 2007 along with the third movie. And this is where things get a little bit off the rails in terms of the number of versions and the differences between them. Because hmm. this game was released right around the time when we were, you know, there was the new generation of consoles out. So you had the Nintendo Wii, Xbox 360. PlayStation 3. So all of those newer consoles got the game, plus the PlayStation 2, because uh, so many people had PS2, it would make sense to not want to alienate uh, that market. Sure. And my understanding is that each of these versions is significantly different from the others, hmm. especially the Wii, because the Wii, and you know how the Wii works, it's like very, it's like all based on how your arm is moving. They actually had like you control your web swinging through how you moved your arm, which it's an interesting concept. That sounds cool. I don't know how well it was implemented. I just couldn't say. From the reviews that I've read, it's a really cool idea, but it's also really difficult to work with for too long. So yeah, that sounds about right. Like in small doses, it's really cool. But after a while, it gets really uh, tiresome. Sure. I bet. So this is an outlier for me personally, because I did not play this one as a child. Um my family had the Nintendo Wii, but we never had this game for it. And I never had, you know, the PlayStations or the Xbox either. So I didn't play this game at all until 2021. And I played it on the Xbox 360, which is, from what I've read, that's kind of like the definitive version of the game. It's kind of the standard. The PS3 version was roughly equivalent to it. So those two are sort of the gold standard, let's call them for this game. And the the Wii and the PS2 and the handheld versions are similar, but they all have sort of different things going on with them that make them significantly different. Yeah. So I don't have that childhood nostalgia to go on. And I definitely feel like, you know, maybe if I played this as a kid, I would have felt differently. Having said that, I have heard sort of the most um, unflattering things about the Spider-Man 3 game more than the other two. Yeah, no, I think, well, and I think there's some good reasons for that criticism. But uh, just to kind of give a brief overview of the game itself, the game starts out with a, with another Bruce Campbell tutorial segment. And this series of levels involves you battling goons with this supervillain in a helicopter that I've never heard of. I just remember they're trying to like blow up some sort of building or something. Oh, is and that is that uh, the Mad Bomber, Luke Carlisle? That's it. Yes, the Mad Bomber. Okay, yeah. He's in the Game Boy Advance version too, which I've played. He, I think he's in all the versions. I had to look up who the heck that was. He is a Spider-Man villain. But, like, I think he made, like, one appearance, you know? He was, like, a 2002 villain who, um, like, stole Doc Ock's arms. I mean, I think it's got nothing to do with mad bombing in the Mm -hmm. comics at all. For the life of me, and again, if anyone knows, please, you know, share with us on Twitter. 
but I cannot figure out why they picked this character. He's from J. Michael Straczynski's run on Spider-Man, co-created mm-hmm. with um, John Romita Jr. So, you know, he comes from a fine lineage, but like, why would you pick him of all people? I, uh, I don't know. And why make him the Mad Bomber? It just, and then why make him such an, you know, a consistent part of each of the platforms, each of the versions of this game? Yeah, it, it's a I very, don't know. it's definitely, you know, a choice out of left field where you weren't expecting it. And a lot of people, yeah, were a choice like, was made here. Yeah. Like, who the heck is this guy? And why is he like your first uh, warm up villain? He's definitely not like in the top tier of uh, Spider-Man's rogues gallery. Let's put it that way. Not really, no. So aside from that, that's like the first couple of levels where you're fighting his goons and you're getting the tutorial from Bruce Campbell again, which is which is pretty fun. And I will say that Tobey Maguire's voice acting in this game is really good. He actually hmm. really, I think, brings a lot of life to the character. So I think that's definitely one of the better parts of this game, in my opinion. Interesting. But yeah, so it's kind of a similar setup to Spider-Man 2 in that you have like the open world New York City for you to explore and swing around at your leisure, but there are different missions that you can go on that sort of follow the events of the movie, and in between those movie missions, there's also side quest against um, a number of supervillains as well as uh, different, there's like four different gangs that are fighting each other in New York that you have to battle, and the most outlandish of those is this gang of women called, I don't even know what they're called, but they're like dressed in these very risque Lolita-like costumes, so you know, fishnet stockings, black dresses, high-heeled shoes, all of that stuff, and they're somehow extremely dangerous. They, like, throw knives at you. They throw umbrellas at Lolita, you. That's the that's the underage girl. I don't know if that's specifically equivalent to fishnets, necessarily. Well, I just know that was the word that a lot of the people online were using to describe this gang. They're just very... I mean, you'd have to look it up for yourself. Okay, but, uh, so we got the fishnet gang. Well, all this is to say, this gang is incredibly annoying, but you battle them for a significant part of the game. And I remember getting so frustrated at how easily they were able to defeat me until I kind of figured out how to fight them. Hmm. But um, just incredibly difficult to fight. Like, hand-to-hand combat in this game is really hard, you know, as it is. And then, you know, they're able to block you with these umbrellas. It's weird. Huh. There's like three other gangs too, but I don't remember any of those other gangs being nearly as difficult. But uh, then you also have the side missions against a number of different villains, including the Scorpion, the Lizard, and the Rhino. And um, you have to beat these side quests to unlock more of the main movie missions. (laughs) Now, the one that is the longest and that I remember the most vividly is the set of missions against the Lizard. And the Lizard in this game... Giant lizards. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, because you actually have, like, J.K. Simmons doing the voice of J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, yeah, do you ever. And, yeah, your first meeting with him, he's telling you to get out there and take pictures of giant lizards. (laughs) So that's the lizards doing. And it's kind of cool because in the Raimi movies, they they sort of tease Dr. Connors. Yeah, they they, sure do. They tease the lizard, but they don't really go anywhere with it. Whereas this game, I think it's kind of cool because it gives the lizard a a bit of a story arc. Cool. So that's actually really neat. So we never got that in the movies, but at least you get it in the game, yeah. But the levels themselves were particularly hard. And the hardest set of levels in this game for me was you're going through the sewers of New York fighting the lizards. You know, the lizard men, they call them. Hmm. Then you get to this point where Craven the hunter is also involved in the hunt. He's also hunting down the lizard and you have to fight Craven. Ah, he's back again. And Craven, that took me a whole day. I mean, I spent a whole day trying to beat that boss. It was hard. It was really flipping hard, really (laughs) stinking hard. This is grown man, Sean, too. This isn't 2007, Sean. This is me from like six months ago. That was hard. (laughs) It was really hard. I did it. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, though. This game, this game has the one thing which I hate that the other two do not. They have these so-called quick time events. Oh, yeah. And quick time events, if you're not familiar with them, that they're basically Simon Says, but at an incredibly high rate of speed. You have to like press the buttons in a certain order and at a certain speed or else 
you know, the game resets you to like an earlier point in the level. And during a boss battle, it's incredibly annoying. Like with the lizard, you, know, you have to like do these quick time events super fast or else he regenerates his health and like you're dead. And they just sort of jump out of nowhere, as I understand. Yeah, like they're very unexpected. Like you never know when you're going to have a quick time event, but they they are just devastating. I mean, holy cow. It was, oh, it's so brutal. I mean, some of these quick time events were just insane. Yeah, and you hit the button and then like the game plays itself for a little bit and it's like, oh. I don't know how fun that really is. Yeah, you might have like a little bit of a cut scene. Then you have another bit of a boss battle, then a, then another quick time event. And then finally, if you're lucky, the level will be over. But man, <laughs> they were just awful. Like the, the quick time events just were, they left such a bad taste in my mouth, honestly. Yeah, definitely one of the low points of uh, Spider-Man 3, as I understand it, as an outside observer. Um, but we did get the classic flump, I'm going to die moment. No. Uh, so that's fun. Yeah, there's a lot of like really <sighs> hammy moments in this game. I mean, just with some really melodramatic stuff that just seems really out of place. I, I don't know. There's just a lot of weird stuff here. I mean, that that quick time event with that woman with the bomb and those those eyes, those horribly rendered eyes. It's creepy. It's yeah, the at stuff... least we got that meme out of it. But that's true. I mean, there's definitely some humor <laughs> in from it. But man, oh man, was that hard. <laughs> but. um now, I will say something good about the game, though, was you got to wear the black Spider-Man suit, which was really cool because it did have an additional power. It it had this thing called rage mode. Yeah. If you, like, press a certain button, you're enraged, and, like, your attacks, I think, do double or triple damage, or maybe you don't, your health doesn't go down as much. I mean, either way, it gives you an advantage when you're in combat, so. Now, I think I heard of this. Um, no, it does sound like, for all the deficits of the game, the black suit adds a very interesting dimension it does, this game yeah. Like, and to make honestly, it stand out as something special in the the trilogy of Raimi Spider-Man movie games. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, like, the only way that you can beat like Craven or Lizard is to use the Rage Mode. Otherwise, you know, they just overpower you. Interesting. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I heard that um, if you don't get yourself out of Rage Mode quickly enough, it'll do you in. I don't recall ever having that problem, but that very well could be true. I honestly don't remember That might be way. the case on one of the consoles. I don't Maybe, know which. Maybe, that's, that's the thing. It's like the different consoles, they have different boss battles. Like the PS2 version has different levels that the other ones don't have. Because that is a very interesting idea. And I know in my research, uh, my understanding is also that uh, in like the Wii games, the PS2 games, the PSP games, you can switch back and forth whenever you want with the black suit. But interestingly enough, each time you want to switch, you have to type in a button combo that it gives you. Hmm. And each time you switch, it gives you more buttons and it becomes harder. Huh. And then eventually you're just like smashing the button hmm. and like you're watching Peter like on the ground writhing, trying to pull it off. So I think that's a really cool idea that like you can put it on whenever you want, but just know that each time it's going to get harder to take off. Huh. And I think that's a really cool way to tie in like the game mechanics with the story. Yeah, see, I didn't have that experience, but that's that's a really cool idea. Maybe one of the other consoles had that feature that the Xbox did or did not. I, I honestly don't remember, but yeah, that's really neat. Yeah, I guess that's the thing when they have so many differences between the the platforms. Uh, and I also know that I think in, on the PS2 game, uh, the more you wear the black suit, the more the world around you actually starts looking more dark and barren hmm. as opposed to, you know, clean and nice looking. And that's one of the downsides that like the different consoles have different features or different takes on things that the other ones don't. And it's like kind of yeah. hard to, I, I think it's better if like all the games are relatively consistent with one another. Yeah. 
And I'm sure that just has to do with, you know, being the first game on 7th Gen uh, for Spider-Man. You know, I'm sure that has to do with a lot of the bugs on the system. Sure. And I mean, I think yeah, that's part of it. more bugs than just the spiders, obviously. <laughs> I think that's part of it. it. It came out of kind of a weird transitional phase yeah. where you still had a lot of people with like the PS2, but you also had the new generation that they were trying to promote. So they had they were trying to please everybody. And I think they ended up sort of pleasing less than everybody. Nobody, or at least not giving people a consistent product. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunately, but yeah, so like as far as like the other levels go, you know, again, they hit the high points of the movie. So you have like your first battle against Harry as the new goblin. You have the battle against Sandman in the subway. You have the final battle against the Sandman monster at the construction site. And, um, you know, then you have the final battle against Venom at the same thing at the construction site. And again, you have to beat him using these quick time events. And if you do, oh boy, it has probably one of the most graphic sequences in any Spider-Man game in terms of violence, but like Hmm. Venom falls off the building and onto this like series of jagged pipes and Uh, they impale him repeatedly. It's very, very violent. A lot of gore for a game like this. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I would say overall the game was good. It didn't have as much in the way of bonus features. In fact, I was just researching it, but I think the main bonus features were downloadable content. So this was the first game to feature that where uh, yeah. it's not it's not built in so much as it is like you just download it online, which again, you know, keeping up with the times, sure. Right, but- DLCs. DLCs, as the kids say. Exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, di- it didn't have anywhere near as much like built in sort of uh, bonus content. Yeah, changing times. Well, they did have like different versions of the game that had more like I think there was like a so-called collector's edition for the PS3 that they had. Hmm. But for the most part, though, they uh, they were kind of stingy with the bonus features with this one. Yeah. But on the other hand, I mean, the New York City environment was a lot more detailed than in the second game. and It was bigger, too. So, I mean, you did have a lot of cool environments to swing around and you, you know, your the web swinging itself was not quite as good as the second game, but it was still pretty fun, pretty, pretty slick, pretty fluid. You know, and I remember a big part of the marketing, too, was like, now for the first time, even the sewers are within your reach. Yep, that's, you know, that's actually a good point, because you do spend some levels underground, which is kind of cool. You never really saw that in the other two games, so... so it does sort of expand a little bit on the open world system. It does, it definitely does. So I guess overall, I would say what the game... It's kind of like the third movie in that hmm. what the game does well, it does really well, but there's a lot of other stuff crammed in there that maybe they could have done without, or they could have, you know, done it in a better way, so... Very interesting. Hmm. I think it's fun. Do I think it's as good as the other two games? Mm, not quite, but I think I think what it does well, it does really well. I think it's still fun. Like, if you really want to complete the trilogy, I think it's definitely worth it. But I also don't think you're missing out on too much if you go directly from Spider-Man 2 to, you know, the 2018 Spider-Man game, you know? Oh, sure. But for those curious, it's worth a look. Exactly. Exactly. It's definitely got some charm to it, but it's also, like, a not maybe the most integral piece of the Spider-Man uh video game pantheon hmm. so now that we've talked about all three games we face a heck of a choice in picking our favorite or at least i know i do or maybe i don't but uh <laughs> what better way to celebrate hard and sadistic choices than with the game of we are who we choose to be all right a game in an episode about a game very very meta Okay, well, I guess I'll go first, Peter. So it's kind of funny that you mentioned this earlier because it basically is my question because you mentioned playing an updated version of the Spider-Man 2 game from 2004, updating it to modern systems and graphic capabilities. Yes, I did mention that. So my question to you is, would you rather play an updated version of Spider-Man 2 with modern graphics, modern New York City, but, you know, it still has that Tobey Maguire Spider-Man in his costume, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or... Would you rather play the original Spider-Man 2 game in 2004, as it was in 2004, but with Andrew Garfield as the Spider-Man? Huh. (laughs) Interesting. 
Um, so basically, like updated game with Tobey Maguire or the original game, but with Andrew Garfield and his like you know personality and mannerisms. Interesting. Yeah, I sort of get the impression that Andrew Garfield's voice acting might be a little livelier, but then again, you know, that's not necessarily what I, you know, went to the game for. Um, I think for me, it's going to be pretty, pretty easy choice. I would rather have uh, an updated, nice, shiny new version of Spider-Man 2, the video game. Okay. That's fair. I, I would pick, absolutely. I would, I, w- I would love that. I would pick the same thing. Quite honestly, that would be so cool to like have him. You know, Tobey Maguire as Spider Man swinging around the the game as it looked in 2018. That would be such a neat uh, neat thing to experience. So I definitely agree yeah, with I you. Yeah, I mean, there. why not? I mean, we got the wild, uh, you know, Balfour Bikini Bottom remake out of the blue. That's true. It was a licensed game that people liked, and they said, "Hey, why not? Let's dust it up." Now, absolutely. like I said, I know the rights issues are a little more troubling these days, but I mean. Let's face it, if the companies really wanted to, yeah, it, they there, could figure something out, as we've seen. Well, where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. So Leave it to the lawyers. Yeah. They'll figure it out. We usually we usually make things worse, but uh, well, we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm, ready, I'm ready. What's my sadistic choice, Peter? Well, the choice you face, Sean, is would you rather instantly sink anytime you so much as dipped a toe in the water, or... Would you rather hear a constantly accelerating finiculi finicula every time you ate pizza? Oh, definitely the finicini finicula. I <laughs> I can't tell you how much I hated. Um, <laughs> I can't tell you how much I hated um, in Spider-Man Two. How much I hated the fact that you couldn't even swim or you know tread water for even a second. That is pretty annoying. But then again, so is hearing that song every time you're trying to eat pizza. Yeah, but it's just, that song is taken on... You don't on think ki- they would put a little bit of a damper on eating pizza? Like, you mean like in real life if I heard that song every time I ate pizza? Yeah, I mean in real life. Oh boy, that would be that would be annoying. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. Hmm. You said sadistic. But I'd rather, I'd still rather be able to swim, so I would definitely take the pizza. Yeah, that's I mean, fair. because honestly, like, people hum that song or sing it to themselves anyway when they're eating pizza or delivering pizza or <laughs> Italian food for that matter. You know, there's always a song like that or, you know, one of the other like stereotypically Italian songs that people were thinking about. So, I mean, n- the two are inextricably entwined now, thanks to the Spider-Man 2 video game. So I guess why not? Yeah, I'd still rather keep my ability to swim. Yeah. So I-, I would agree. I'd have to agree. I mean, that's that's at least one thing I have over Spider-Man. You know, I can't I can't stick to walls. I can't swing from webs, but at least I can swim. So I don't know. That's a tough. Uh, that's a tough decision there. But I definitely would have to say I'd rather keep my ability to swim. So that's fair. Same here. Bring on Finiculi Finicula. Probably probably the best part of that game soundtrack, honestly. But hmm, uh, probably right. Well, with that, I think we've pretty much covered a, a, an overview of these games, at least. Yeah, this this was meant to be sort of like in college, you know, they call them like the survey courses. This is just meant to sort of give like a you know, a little bit of an overview and you know, maybe hopefully I sparked or we sparked some good memories or some fond memories or maybe some not so fond memories of different levels or different boss battles that you encountered years ago. So if if it's a good memory, we're happy. If it's a bad one, we're sorry. But <laughs> either way, these games I think were such a cool way for the fandom to interact with the movies and really literally picture themselves in the middle of the action, which I think is the best part. It's like you get to be Spider-Man. You're controlling him. You're the one telling him where where to shoot the webbing, where to where to hit the bad guy. I mean, there's a lot of really cool interactive elements to these games, and so I think that's why they're they're such a fun part, such a nostalgic part of my experience with the Raimi trilogy. So 
We absolutely hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. I know Peter and I had a blast just kind of reliving some of these uh, video game glory days. Sure did, yeah. And I'd be surprised if we didn't revisit this uh, topic of video games again in the future. Absolutely. I think there's... uh... You know, <laughs> so much to tell, not to use that phrase too much, but come on, there's just so much there we can so say. There is so much to tell. There is so much to tell here. And if that's not enough, you can take two buses and a cab to Twitter at SMTT Podcast, as in so much to tell podcast. And if you're able, consider joining us on Patreon to help us make this show. Right now, all we got is this 20 for the rest of the week. So until next time. Godspeed, Spider fans. Game over. Tell Harry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Now, uh, we'll go inside and play. <laughs> <laughs>